0: Every day, hundreds of thousands of us are building a future we can all be proud of. For over 36 years, the growth CBUS MySuper investment option has returned an average of 8.98% per annum for its members, while investing in projects that not only create jobs, but a better future. CBUS. For all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.
1: I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell
0: you. It's the final word. This is story time. Madam Collins and Jeff Lemon, our weekend frolic, looking through the numbers and the history of our great game. The great game of cricket, Jeff. Um, and it no, is the, stop it, saying that I can't stop it. I can't. I can't stop. Won't stop. And it is the season nine finale. Strictly speaking, we we sort of touched on this on the weekly show, perhaps mm. after we finished uh, that it being the end of the the Australian season formally this week. We will begin season ten. Would you believe it? Season ten of the Final Word with the weekly mm. show next week, which is I guess somewhat of an achievement. Nine seasons of the show we've made. In and around 300 eps We're about to cat that up And work it out In the next week or so
1: We'll keep doing it Well we will And, and it's been different You know It's changed As it's gone along The season Season one was uh, Like Breaking Bad uh, the, When there was The writer's strike And they could only do A six episode <laughs> season For season one That's all we, we did For season one as well uh, Or maybe it was like I don't know The British Office Or something That BBC style Fleabag You know Six mm. episodes quality over quantity, leave them wanting more, et cetera. I don't think we did leave them wanting more because no one knew it existed. But um, well, there are about three people who've contacted us over the years to, to say, I've been listening since the very beginning. Good on you. You you make us feel loved. Yeah, so we'll, um, we'll plough straight into season 10 from season 9. No breaks between the seasons now, just well, away we go. Yeah, 52 weeks a year. Where there was
0: a lot of love, Jeff, was uh, the conversation we had in our studio audience for the weekly show, which I enjoyed very much. So we invited our patrons along to watch us record the weekly show. And I think we'll do it again, not regularly, because I don't think people want to sort of tune in on Zoom uh, and watch us stumble around in the dark while we make a podcast. but. The conversation afterwards, uh, yeah, it, it was another reminder. Not that we need reminders, but uh, a reminder nonetheless of what a beautiful community we have uh, on the Patreon page. And I suppose that's what this all started from uh, as well. The, the story time eps of the show were at a, sort of a, a nod to thank uh, everybody for being involved and contributing financially to the show. And, and now we have this cool crew of people who love the game just the way we do as well.
1: We were just hanging out. It was, it was kind of nice. It was just, you know... Bunch of friends, uh, you know, a few dozen friendly faces, um, you know, a lot of them enjoying a, an evening beverage or a, or a meal or, or some of them in other parts of the world pretending to do some work, you know, work from <laughs> home sort of stuff while they were keeping us in one ear um, and possibly out the other. And fair enough too. So yeah, we had a good time. We we may do it again. You can't stop us. Uh, you're not our dads. The other thing I'll plug is that by now you'll, you'll see that Glenn Maxwell should what if already they are be our dad? In what our if our dads are listening? Then that would apply to them. Does your, like, your
0: your dad? I think my dad sometimes listens. Does your dad listen? Yeah,
1: my dad listens. Hello, yeah. oh, Andrew. And, and sort of and and does it like does it sort of sneakily? Does it quite like doesn't you know? make a big deal of it but we'll, we'll just mention something from off the show some weeks later oh. um yeah it's quite quite cute
0: yeah i think my dad listens occasionally but i don't think he's sort of an ultra i haven't seen him pop up mm. on the patron page put it that way so yeah and hello to both of our fathers um also hello to Glen maxwell if you're listening um when he's not on the show he sometimes tunes in and listens to what we do on the weekend or during the week and he i expect if everything goes well, we're recording this on Wednesday. I'm not going to shy away from, from that fact because I'm working the next four days at, uh, at Lord's doing the Middlesex game and this is our window to get the weekend show mm. in the can, but we're meant to talk to Maxie tomorrow morning, so you should have seen that in the feed. He's had a great week and, yeah, it's turned into a lovely new segment that we're able to push out separately both on YouTube and the podcast while he's having <laughs> the tournament of his life.
1: Imagine if something really huge in cricket news happened, you know, on, say, the Thursday of this, this week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've already recorded the show that doesn't mention it. Some kind of European Super League type arrangement, you know. Um, well, that's occurs. kind of happened.
0: Well, I think that's kind of happened this week, hasn't it? We put The Daily Show out a few hours ago, our time, as we're recording it. And... Maybe two hours after we hit stop yesterday, Ed Smith was sacked as the England selector, and they made his job redundant. So I feel as though there might be some who tune into mm. what we talked about on the weekly episode and wonder why haven't they referred to this massive shake-up of England men's selection policy? Well, we'll get to that next week, and yeah. <laughs> hopefully we haven't uh, we haven't stuffed up the timeline too badly.
1: Yeah, that's a funny one. Um, We will will talk about that. We will ponder that. We'll scratch our chins and say, hmm, in a very thoughtful way about that. But I don't think that quite ranks up there with like, you know, Super League style shenanigans no. that has been bloody bloody hilarious I've never been so glad to be in a sport that's not that one as the last couple of
0: days oh yeah I stayed up quite late last night as the Premier League clubs released their statements to say they were formally opting out Twitter was <laughs> and yeah we often talk about Twitter at its worst this was Twitter at its best uh, as everyone was uh, taking a big deep breath and piling into these bastards for just trying to destroy the game yet further but yes if Maxi maybe he's made a hundred in the game that he plays tomorrow before he speaks to us or after he speaks yeah. to us and uh, and he's even even, even even, better than he is at this stage. But either way, Maybe. he'll be with us every week of the Indian Premier League. Uh, Jeff, another thing that we're building towards is our Dera to Dream tour next year, which, if you aren't familiar, means we are going to be visiting both Pakistan, a little place called Dera Ismail Khan, and Brazil. Sao Paulo specifically, uh, to, uh, yep. to meet up with our pals in the Brazilian women's national cricket team. And there's been a lot of activity around this in the last seven days or so. To catch up, the Tailenders podcast also had Roberta on a couple of weeks ago. And Jimmy Anderson, who co-hosts Tailenders, said, do you know what would be great? Why don't, we come to brazil and then they go that's a great idea we should go to brazil uh, so, uh, so so now there are two podcasts going to brazils no but the good news mm-hmm. is that since that recording went up we've we've talked to each other the two shows and we've worked out that we're all going to go together uh, and and they discussed that on tail enders last week which was lovely so watch this space for more details there but Yes, all systems go for Brazil, which is pretty bloody exciting.
1: Yeah, all systems go means that we're definitely thinking about it. Um, It it doesn't mean that we can actually make any meaningful plans because no one has any idea what (laughs) is happening in the world and 2022 could be a complete write-off. There may be no Pakistan tour for the Australian men's team. Who knows? We don't know. But look, we'll... Our intention is to make this happen yeah. at a time when it can happen. All um, things being equal. All things being equal
0: as far as um, vaccine rollouts and, and so on. We will find a way to make this work because so many people at have At such said time
1: that, as we can do it, we will do it. All right, I think stop, that's tempering. How we,
0: stop tempering expectations, it. Jeff. Stop, stop. <laughs> stop uh, wet blanketing what I'm saying the good news is, is that lots of people including Tim Minchin not the Tim Minchin have mm. said they wish to come Tim dropped us Can we get the, the other
1: week. Tim Minchin involved as well so that we <laughs> could we have could we have a double Tim Minchin situation uh, because yeah, well, we have been know, recruiting not that we? Tim Minchin always introduces himself as not that Tim Minchin so it would be much funnier if that Tim Minchin was also there
0: yeah well, we've been recruiting for off field staff maybe we need two Tim Minchins to perform mm. the role of Tim Minchin and not Tim Minchin yeah. playing Tim Minchin
1: yeah, well, we need like forty-five scorers, probably six PhDs. I think we've established this so far, and at least two Tim mentions. Maybe if there's a third <laughs> Tim mention out there, you know, get involved as well. If you're also named Tim Mention, we've got uh, quite a few um, sort of double named. We've got characters. We've got quite a few Tom Stewarts in our, in yep. our listener base. Maybe we could have some more Tim mentions. We've got uh, a
0: couple of team doctors have put their hands up to look after us, a physiotherapist. We've got two team smokers, official team smokers, which I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll continue. And that's because, of course, of the, the smokers versus non-smokers, first-class fixtures, which we featured on Storytime a couple of months ago, why they've put their hands up. So, yeah, lots of different roles you can perform, even if you don't wish to play.
1: Yeah, and uh, another thing that we should play is the game that we play on this show, shouldn't we? We should. Should we? Let's do it. We should. Come on. It's called... Nerd Pledge. Nerd Pledge. Uh, It's the game that we play with people on our patron page. It is a quiz-based game, but in a different style. We don't quiz the audience. The audience quizzes us. They do that via the means of financial support, so they send us an amount of currency. It's a number, and it's not a regular number, not the number you'd normally expect from it dipping into the wallet, but it's a very specific number that relates to cricket in some way, and we are the people who have to figure out (laughs) what that number means.
0: Well explained, Jeff, as always. And our first new number today is from our old friend, John McFeet, who was sent through 163. That's an edited pledge he wants to let us know. It's now the domestic equivalent of my original pledge, sort of. Mm. Jeff, that's the clue, which will mean you'll need to explain what John McFeet's original pledge was, I suspect, to get us there.
1: Yes, and uh, just for people who like to know what the words are that they're thinking about, John McFeet is spelt with a P-H and an E-A, uh, not a F-E-E-T, feet, because that would be an unusual name. Uh, and, and you know, I like to think about the way that words look like. It's You know, it's a mental tick. Anyway, you might be feeling discomforted by not knowing how it was spelt. That's how it's spelt. Reminds me of the car you used to win
0: on... What was the television show that Larry Emder hosted? Uh, it was uh, my, my cousin won the down. Showcase Playoff. It was Price Come on right. down. Price is right. Remember there was the Say It seat that they used to flog at the end of that show. You'd win a seat, a Say It, which was spelled no. in the same oh, way. Oh, yeah, yeah, feet. okay. See what, I'm, yeah. see what I'm getting at? My cousin yeah, yeah. won the Showcase Playoff after being called out of the crowd and and won the whole lot, uh, and it's perhaps the most exciting moment that our families
1: enjoyed. Mm, the uh, the white goods, the <laughs> you know the the three days on Hamilton Island, um, the what else? There'd usually be some sort of really shitty outdoors thing like a like a battery operated golf cart or something there was always
0: a, always a jet ski as well if i remember yeah. correctly and, and larry emder yeah. having to play golf in fact i think it, it's on the castle is not it they 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 cut to a, the showcase playoff when uh, when sophie lee and eric banner are, are there and on, uh, on the castle uh, On the uh, on the prices Right Sorry Anyway Back to John McPherson well,
1: we've, <laughs> we, we've talked about getting James Sherry On the show before um, Former host of Amazing um, Maybe we could just make that A, a sort of final word Sideline We'll get Larry Emder in Get baby oh. John Burgess in Get Adriana's <laughs> and Edie's in You know like, why
0: not? I don't think Adriana's with us I think she I, I, think, oh. I think she's still here But, but baby John she's, is uh, Baby John and, is and uh, And Larry certainly is mm. I think it's a good idea
1: yeah, Baby John's very very active on Twitter. He's got a you know he's got a good wholesome presence on Twitter. If you want to you know follow Baby John's thought for the day, or is um his TGIF uh, he often does a Thank God It's Friday, Baby John joke. Um, yeah, get on there, wholesome areas Such now. <laughs> Let's get back to John McFeet, 163, following on as an equivalent to his original pledge of 143. So, the first thing I had to do was figure out what the hell was his original pledge? What did that mean? Because it was a long time ago. This went back to the 2019 World Cup. Wow. And I had to go back uh, and and trawl through some old episodes to find this because I didn't actually have a record of what we said it was. I think it was on the episode we did with Daniel Norcross, maybe? And, And we had a few... Yeah, we were we were pretty simple with our, our nerd pledge guessing at the time, but we had a few batting innings. We were looking at uh, the 143 that Andrew Simons made at the 03 World Cup, Shane Watson at the Rose Bowl, Steve Smith making 143 in a test at the Oval. The thing is, John didn't actually answer the question. He didn't reply to us after that, so we, he, he didn't tell us what the answer was and he didn't tell us that we had got it wrong. And so this under our statute of limitations is our longest ever revisit as well as a new number <laughs> because two years later we're coming back to it. So, so John gave me a, a bit of a hint in his messages saying this related to a South Australian and I thought, well, okay, I think I know where this is going. A South Australian where the 143 is, mm. is a thing and the 163 is the domestic equivalent of that thing, thus naturally... David Hooks, who has got a lot of love on this show in the last few weeks. It's sort of become the story time hooksy um, half hour It happens at the the start of story time. his first and ultimately only test century, one hundred and forty three not out at Candy in nineteen eighty three going at a runner ball against Sri Lanka in a standalone test that Australia won by an innings is that a is that something that lives in your memory adam the one forty three
0: yeah, there's some lovely photos of Hooksy after that innings in the dressing room with a beer. Uh, I think he, I think he's wearing his baggy green in it as well, which is most of what I know of that innings. Really, it was kind of used as a as something something to uh, to to denigrate him. That oh, his 100 was against Sri Lanka when they just were admitted to playing Test cricket. But yeah, as ever, uh, these often far more complicated stories than that. And yeah, he certainly was the uh, the pride of South Australia, as it were, through that career, which started back at uh, the centenary test.
1: So that was his first test century, and that led very neatly to John's new number, 163, the domestic equivalent, because that was David Hook's first domestic his first first first-class century for South Australia, 163. Uh, That was an innings in which he smoked four sixes in one over at one point, batting against Victoria, Um, had a hell of a day out, and it was the start of a crazy streak where he made five centuries in six innings in the Shield, all made in the space of two and a half weeks. So, you know, things can change quickly in a few days, we were saying. They change pretty quickly for... David Hooks, uh, and that is where John McFeet has gone with our bookended nerd pledges from twenty nineteen to today. Uh, the test uh, first hundred and the first first class hundred for David Hooks.
0: Fantastic, thank you, uh, John, for getting back to us on that one. Next up, we have a double header. Three hundred four is the number. Three point zero four. Simon Butcher. And Osman, Bohemia. Now, let's go with Osman first up, Jeff. There was a clue here, and it was a slightly cryptic one initially. We had to work through it a couple of times. It it was about Warnie and Murley, and about this particular player not being as tall as those two spinners, Mm -hmm. and also a player that they might be jealous of. Uh, And then there was a second clue that it's one of my personal favorites, uh, and that he didn't Really, rock the world of Test cricket was probably the the, the cherry on mm. top, which helped us get to the eventual answer.
1: Yes, three hundred four um, relates to three hundred and four, and it relates to Titch Freeman, someone we have talked about quite a bit on this show. Uh, <laughs> but this this number deserves underlining. Alfred Percy Freeman. Who played 592 first class matches? I'll say that again 592 <laughs> first class matches, despite starting just before World War I broke out. So that probably wasn't the most helpful entree to the sport. He was named Titch because he was five foot two, made it an unusual trajectory for a leg spinner. So that's how he meets the height criteria as someone who would have made Murili look like a giant. And in terms of something that might have made them jealous, The number 304 reflects the fact that Titch Freeman took 304 wickets in a single first-class season in 1928. 304 wickets in a season, which remains a record, unsurprisingly, to this day. Admittedly, he played 37 matches in that season, which is a lot. But he still took three hundred and four wickets in those. It's still, yeah, matches. it's still nine and a half wickets a match. <laughs> yes, it's roughly exactly. a five
0: wicket bag every time he walks out.
1: Yeah, so he played three tests in that time. So out of those thirty-seven matches, he. Had, uh, 15 of them, he took 10 wickets at least in the match. <laughs> so 15 10 wicket matches out of 37. Um, unbelievable stuff. He only played 12 tests, uh, still got 66 wickets at 26, which is pretty handy. But his first class tally was 3,776 wickets at an average of 18, uh, the second most first class wickets ever behind Wilfred Rhodes. Uh, he's a super freak, a super freak, he's super freaky. Titch Freeman for Osmond Bohemia.
0: He is. Thank you, Osmond. I reckon that was the start of the run where Freeman had six seasons in a row above 200 wickets. A couple of them were above 300. Uh, so I'm glad we're able to return to.
1: I reckon it was six six seasons above 250. I
0: yeah, think. that might be. Yeah, that sounds more likely, doesn't it? It, it was a, an absurd run there in the late 20s and early 30s.
1: But you don't raise your bat for 250. We know that meaningless <laughs> number. Piss off. Get 300.
0: I can't believe you still maintain that position. We'll have to talk about this off air. The other 304 from this doubleheader was Simon Butcher, and this was without a clue, but it did arrive in, in GBP, so that would suggest that it is going to be an English player, which meant that I didn't go with my gut feel, which 304, I immediately think of Bradman at Leeds in 1934. I'd love to do that again, but, Jeff, I think we've done it twice already this year. We talked about what Bradman <laughs> was able to achieve at Leeds in the Oval in the space of a couple of weeks in 1934, I also learnt that it was Everton Weeks's only triple ton in first-class cricket, which he made in that 1950 tour that we were discussing last week with Lawrence Booth uh, against Cambridge University at Fenner's, which we also were talking to uh, Lawrence Booth about because now Cambridge mm. no longer has first-class status. But, yeah, Fenner's beautiful ground. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting there at some
1: stage this season. So, yeah, it ties together a couple of nice
0: threads about the it,
1: 2021 <laughs> Wisden Almanac. It, it just sounds like, um, you know, one of those standard nicknames that an English person gives another English person, somebody named Fenwick or whatever. Benners, I say, Fenners. Yes, fetters, yes. <laughs> you know, toughers and blowers and all the rest.
0: Yeah, what are they? I think they call it the Oxford Ers, don't they? The Ers that, that a lot of uh, well, maybe, the, maybe is it the Eton Ers or the Oxford? Yeah, anyway, whatever it is. Or, uh, in this case, Benners uh, mm. is, is where Cambridge University play. But yes, in, instead of uh, any of that, uh, let's have ourselves one of these. <laughs> Yes, that's right. Chesney Hawks, the one and only, means that we have ourselves a dusty old bastard for 304 and a very dusty and a very good one at that, Jeff. I think you'll like Arthur Wood. Arthur Wood was English Test Cricketer number 304 and he meets the criteria in a number of ways. The first of which is that he played four Test matches, but the first of those was the week that he turned 40. He made his debut in the final week of his 30s. Turned 40 the day after that test match finished And it was a test match that we have discussed Perhaps more than any other on the show Over the last Mm -hmm. 53 weeks The Oval 1938 Hutton's match Where he was the record breaker with his 364 But in the case of Arthur Wood He was such a last minute call up That he had to get from Trent Bridge to the Oval By taxi in order to make it in time for the first morning (laughs) He's a wicketkeeper, so I think, the, I think the case was the wicketkeeper was injured in, on the morning of the game and, and they quickly ferried Arthur down to, to take uh, the place in the team. So That's a hell fa- of
1: a cab fare. Like, well, yeah. To, and, that's and a that, long way.
0: And thus perhaps his most famous line, which was in his obituary, which I read and enjoyed. When he arrived at the gates at the Oval, he was charged whatever he was charged, and he, and he said that he was paying for the fare, not for the taxi,
1: Hey, eight, hey, hey, eight—he's hey, 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 working hey. that one all the way,
0: all the way down. <laughs> right. So he must have been a dad. He <laughs> probably was. Times over um, by that age. Mm. Now he came out to bat when England were seven hundred and seventy for six. <laughs> Because, of course, this is the innings where they make the still record, 903 900. for seven declared. He goes on to pass 50 himself. He makes 53. And as it's written up, he actually batted in quite an enterprising way, which wasn't necessarily the case for all of his teammates who were playing quite conservatively, knowing that they could just bat the game out. But when he reached 50, um, he joked to his teammate that uh, he was always the man who was good in a crisis <laughs> after coming in at 770 for six. So obviously, he was a funny dude. Anyway, so he's part of that world record effort 9.03 for 7. He turns 40 the day after the test match where Hutton makes that 3.64 According to Bill Bowes, who of course um, was the famous England uh, fast bowler who uh, played in the 30s principally he loved rhyming slang and that was um, part of the, the summary that the Bowes was writing about him. He's a very good humorist and there was never a dull moment when he was around discussing how enthusiastic he was as a wicketkeeper. Apparently he used to do somersaults ab- upon taking the ball behind the stump. So he kind of Getting a picture For what Arthur mm. Was like
1: Well almost every Keeper does now If they Anytime they have to You know Have a little dive They always do a big Forward roll And you know A few so. for effect So ahead yeah. of his time Arthur Wood. Ahead of his time
0: But he, sort of in keeping With the idea That he had to really Wait for his test cap It was the same For his county cap He didn't get to play For Yorkshire until 1927 At age 30 And that's because I suppose in the best Tradition of wicket keepers He had to wait his turn uh, mm. The guy ahead of him Was in the team So Our man, Artie, had to wait to get his chance. And when he did, he didn't let it go. He played 225 games in a row after debuting for Yorkshire, which took him all the way to 1935. Then he was overheard boasting about this achievement by his captain of Yorkshire, who said, all right, then, you're missing this game. Left him out of the team because he was boasting to a teammate about nearing the record. I don't know what the record was at the time, but whatever the record was, he was hauling (laughs) it in. And the captain left him out after game two hundred and twenty-five for Yorkshire. That's that's in nineteen thirty-five, oh, four years prick. or three years before this test boo. But he gets back on the bike, keeps playing for Yorkshire, and ultimately World War Two intervened, both as far as. Mm. His first class and test career were concerned. He played three more test matches in the following summer uh, against the West Indies, but that was that. His last game for Yorkshire before the war was one we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, Jeff, uh, where Yorkshire bowl out Sussex for 33, Hedley Verity takes seven for nine, and remarks to his colleagues uh, whether he'll ever see that ground again. You know, I suppose a foreboding comment in many respects, because of course he passed away in Italy in 1943 in the war. But um, in the case of Arthur Wood, he after the war played a handful of first-class games, but by that stage he's well into his mid 40s, and he eventually mm. uh, hangs up the boots after one game in 1948. But yes, he um, it said that he was a very loyal man, and that was uh, in the obituary. They say that his wife was very ill, and he visited her in hospital every single day for 20 years uh, before passing away himself at age 74. In 1973 now, This week's Dusty Old Bastard England player 304, Arthur
1: Wood Thank you, I enjoyed that one I enjoyed most of them There's rarely been one where I've been like, nah, terrible <laughs> Scrap it, cut it If I had said that, you, no one would know Because it would have disappeared That is the 304 That was the doubleheader for Simon Butcher And Osman Bohemia. The next one coming in From Rob uh, it's, a, it's a generous pledge 13, is he working in pounds, Rob, 13, 13, or pounds or dollars, 13, I, I, 13, th- I think,
0: 13. I think he's in. I think he's in the USD, but yes, we know that Rob uh, is from Worcester, isn't he? So uh, he has that strong county cricket tradition, coursing mm-hmm. through his bones, coursing through his
1: veins. He wouldn't be coursing yes. through his bones, would it? It'd be his veins. That, that'd be a particular sort weird. of weird <laughs> biomedical fluke if things could course through your bones. Yes. That usually means your bones have been hollowed out. That's not good news if someone's sucked out the marrow and they're using it for a straw. So, you've been having um, (laughs) a fair bit of correspondence with with Rob trying to- to, to manoeuvre to some sort of position Where we could tackle this
0: Yeah so there, there are a lot of clues uh, It related to the Benson and Hedges cricket books Of the early 80s Which Rob read when he was a youngster And I, I like this It was how he felt that he learnt the game Outside of England So these mm-hmm. annual... Publications would come in that in the Wisden Almanac, and he would go through them and learn about the game overseas. And that's what this pledge relates to—something that he read about and didn't see himself. He described it as an alliterative match at the time, at least, but with one of the team names changing for reasons that had nothing to do with cricket. And it ultimately refers to a cricketer who was ahead of his time in terms of the performance he put together in this game. Uh, someone who is has a big personality. Uh, I think he described. In similar terms to that That someone who stands out A striking personality And the further clue was that And this is what eventually Got me to the starting line And you took it from here Was that When he wrote us the clue On the 18th of December last year This particular cricketer Was doing it tough in Australia Right So even though this game relates To something in the 80s Or the 90s Something like that That it was someone Who was in Australia Doing it tough But would ultimately Leave the country In great spirits and from there, Jeff, we landed on Ravi Shastri.
1: Lead. Lead. It's got something in it. <laughs> ah, yes. Um, thank you, Rob, for having the patience to take us to the starting line. Ravi Shastri and 1313. So that meant that, you know, we weren't looking at county cricket. We weren't looking at shield cricket. We knew that it was a, a, a non-test type number. And if we wind it all the way back to the January of 1985, we will find a match when Bombay played Baroda. That's your alliterative uh, match right there. And the name change is that Bombay is now Mumbai. So it would not be alliterative anymore. Bombay v Baroda in the west zone of the Ranji Trophy in a match that, you know, was a standard ish decent kind of arm wrestle. 371 plays 330 on the first innings both of them facing just under 90 overs apiece so plenty of time left in the match except they used to play three day games in the ranji not four day games so there was only one day left basically um, hmm. after the first two innings and on the final day after bombay have you know potted their way to 201 for four ravi comes in at number 6 and says fuck it <laughs> <laughs> uh, he'd been getting a lot of stick for batting slowly um, not long before that, including in a, he'd made a very slow 100 in a test match not long before that. Uh, so he proceeds to batter exactly 200 runs in 123 deliveries, taking 113 minutes. That's not the 13 that relates to Rob's number. So Rob's number was $13.13. 13, and that is the case because Ravi hit 13 fours and 13 sixes. In his 200 runs Um, That included six sixes in and over So only the second time That had happened behind Garfield Sobers Which we talked about on the show Some months ago The unlucky part-time left-arm spinner Tilak Raj was the one who got Whacked over the fence six times in a row So Ravi's first hundred runs He hits four sixes In his second hundred runs he hits nine sixes Meaning he scores 48 out of his hundred runs In sixes (laughs) (laughs) For the second hundred runs And that's not even quite the best bit The best bit is that Sunil Gavaska then declares With about 20 overs left in the day Presumably And they nearly bloody win the thing. (laughs) They've got Baroda seven down within the 18 overs left in the day before it gets called off, probably with so much time lost for all of the wickets that were falling. And at the same time, Baroda have clattered 81 runs in those 18 overs. So they're swinging the queue around as well. Wickets are falling in a hurry. um, And Bombay nearly get themselves the win. It is a truly freakish piece of batting that sets up an almost impossible victory. Fantastic. Well...
0: Rob, it was worth it because I'm glad I know. I didn't know about the six sixes in and over from from Shastri. I feel like that's that's a bit of a blind spot for me there. It's the sort of thing I feel like I would usually kind of know, but we do now. That's what this is all about, isn't it? We tell some stories and, and we learn some others uh, along the way. And Jeff, it must be right up there as well in terms of the uh, the fastest double tons made in first class cricket.
1: It was the fastest when it happened right. um, and stayed the fastest for. A- pretty long time in in terms of both deliveries and time. So, 123 balls, 113 minutes for 200. A couple of years ago, there was a new record set, and this was in a first-class match in Afghanistan in the Ahmad Shah Abdali trophy that they play there when Shafikullah Shinwari made over 200, in, from eighty-nine balls in one hundred and three minutes, of um, <laughs> on, a, on a, a fairly small, fairly small ground, uh, I would imagine. And my favourite part of this was that he was batting for the, a team called Kabul Region against a team called Boost Region as in OST and I couldn't find much about Boost Region as a geographical entity, so I could only assume it was related to the Juice Company and that they'd got involved in Afghanistan first-class cricket. Brilliant. But, uh, it, it turns out that's not the case. It's, it's a sort of uh, differently pronounced version of an old name for a city that happened to be in the sort of general region where where that team was drawn from. But, yeah, uh, the old Boost Region bowlers didn't have a good day when Shafakula Shinwari uh, decided to take the long handle. I wish
0: an Afghani first-class team was somehow supported by my Boost Juice loyalty card, but not to be, Jeff, but still. I'm glad we, uh, again, know the story of Ravi Shastri in 1985. All right, Jeff, next up is our our friend from Essex,
1: Matt Gaynor, with 355, and he comes with a clue. Yes, the culmination of a perfect record, unlike Adams, it's a three of something relates to batting. And for a long while we were thinking this must relate to Adam, who was on the podcast. But it turns out it does not relate to Adam, who was on the podcast. Uh, It relates to a different Adam. So, yeah, that's that's where we were starting with, was something that involved three of something batting-related and someone who didn't miss, basically. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and when I pressed Matt for a a less cryptic kind of clue, he responded that it was about, a player being the best ever against one nation, so that again got us to not against Pauline Hanson's one nation. By the way, <laughs> but against, and I would love to be the best player against one nation yeah. uh, politically. Well,
1: <laughs> uh, Whoever made them the boost region of yes, yes of of the um, encounter. Would uh, be, I, I think
0: yeah. I think the best player against one nation was Peter Beattie when he smashed them up uh, in the uh, whichever election mm. it was when he wiped them out in the Queensland Parliament. Okay, so three fifty five is the figure. Who made 355 runs against the West Indies and made a ton each time he played against them? None other than Ravi Bapara, who in 2009 loved playing against the West Indies uh, when he got his opportunity for England. The first of those centuries was in Barbados when he walked out at number six. Uh, England uh, were at 318 for four at the time. So, you know, things were running well, uh, but you're still going to make them. Got to 104 Took them beyond 600. In the end, uh, I suppose, the fact that the West Indies declared on 749 uh, somewhat um, neutralised that first innings of 600. Uh, It was a horrible draw. 429 overs for 17 wickets in the entire match, Jeff. Yuck. Brutal. Absolutely Brutal. Less so at Lords later in that year of 2009. So it's an Ashes year, but the Windies are out there first. And by this point, he'd been elevated to number three and made 143 out of 377. We had 143 earlier, Jeff. I wonder if we were Mm. taking a free swing at that. Maybe we would have happened upon this innings as well. It set up a big 10-wicket win for the home side. And he made another century against the Windies in the second test, uh, 108 out of another huge score, nearly 600. And they win by an inning. So, yes, that's three innings for Bapara against the West Indies. For three test centuries, an average of 118. And not too dissimilar to the story that we were telling last week, Jeff, about Ian Bell, wasn't it? As far as Bell having reached the 2005 Ashes with an extraordinary average before really struggling. Mm. uh, Unfortunately, it was the same. 297. Yeah, it was the same for Bapara. Having had all that success against the Windies, he uh, made just 105 runs at 15 uh, in that series and was dropped after the fourth test for uh, Jonathan Trott, who, of course, went on to make a century on debut. He got other test matches like he was picked up again I think in 2012 he forced his way back into the team but never really got another extended run Mm. played a lot of white ball cricket but yeah a champion at Essex for so many years and and now a Sussex player we'll be seeing him in the T20 Blast in in the next couple of weeks and of course on the T20 circuit he was in the PSL uh, before that got called off a couple of months ago and one of the most interesting and uh, generous characters on the circuit Ravi Bapara.
1: yeah i reckon he played maybe maybe he only played a couple of one-offs he, he played one against south Africa in England i think and maybe maybe one other i'm, I'm struggling to dredge it out of my memory but um
0: yeah 2012 yeah, I reckon they picked him up it may have been at lords in 2012 for the final Test match if I recall correctly they want they wanted an extra bowling option and he might mm. have got picked as number six who could bowl a bit even though as we know his bowling average is the worst in the history of test cricket he's one <laughs> test wicket uh, he conceded 285 oh, runs for his one yeah, wicket but
1: at least it well, makes that him
0: a distinctive character in in terms of his stats page as well as uh, his personality
1: yeah yeah well you know three tons in consecutive innings um, and and the worst bowling average in history <laughs> You got something to talk about, you know. <laughs> you got something to talk about. Also, like, how cruel is it? You come out and you make your very first test century. You know, it's not on debut, but it, it's you know, it's your big moment. And then the other team makes seven hundred and fifty declare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cricket's it was, a rude uh, sport.
0: It was a career of extremes, Jeff. That is the end of uh, the the new numbers that we are going to look at on the show for Story Time this week. And if you've enjoyed this and you want to get involved, it's very
1: easy to do so. You can play the game. You too can play Nerd Pledge. You go to patron slash the final word. Patron is spelled P A T R E O N. The final word is spelled in the conventional way of those words together, three of them in a row. Uh, we don't fuck around with our spelling. They do. Don't blame us. Uh, you go there, you set up a little account, you put your number in and it pops up and you'll be on the list. And you can help us overtake James Anderson. We're nearly at 6.14. Maybe you can be mm. number
0: 6.15. All right, we're going to take a break. Afterwards, we'll revisit some numbers we got wrong, confirm some others that we got right, look at some battlements, and say goodbye.
1: Hi, my name's Kate Cross and you're listening to The Final Word with Adam and Jeff. Once a year, something very important happens. Cricket Santa comes down the chimney in April and delivers the new Wisden Almanac, the big book, the one that's been going for hundreds of years, so longer than any of the players we talked about on this show. Uh, it's it's annual. It's not the Wisdom Cricket Monthly because that's monthly. It's the Wisden Almanac, the one that comes out once a year. The one that's so heavy you can knock somebody out with it. Don't do that. But you could, I'm just saying, just in theory. I just want to give you a picture of the heft. It's a bit less hefty than other years because a bit less cricket was played, but that means they commissioned a lot more writing to put in the book, so there's actually more to read than there is in other years. Uh, If you want to get the wisdom Almanac, you should, and Adam knows everything that's in it.
0: Yeah, I do. And you're right. There's less in it, but more but more brilliant writing. So in some respects, you get better value for money than you would in, a, in an ordinary year, unless you're kind of really interested in reading through every possible scorecard. Maybe that's your drive. But I'm tipping, if you're listening to our podcast, you're more into the writing side of the good book. And there's so much of it. I mean, we spoke to Lawrence Booth at great length on the weekly show last week, focusing principally on his really punchy editor's notes. I think they, you know, they're, they're such an important part of the book where, He can lay a marker on a number of issues and this year of course there was so much to discuss around COVID-19 but also Black Lives Matter and racism in cricket uh, that he was able to tackle head-on and he did a fine job in doing so and there's some just gorgeous writing about COVID. Duncan Hamilton wrote an essay called Scraps of Comfort which is about developing a scrapbook through the worst of COVID last year. I mean he has actual players who've been involved in the test matches last year contributing like Jack Leach talking about what it is to be in the bubble, James Anderson writing about what it is to be alongside Stuart Broad as he went on to take his 500th test wicket last summer there is so much fantastic writing about racism in cricket which includes pieces from Ebony Rainford Brent and from Tom Holland on, on cricket and slavery and Michael Holdings powerful words from uh, Sky Cricket last year and then there's all the fun stuff so there's the heavy stuff so it's light and shade, like any, uh, like any good publication. Uh, so there's the heavy stuff up front and the light stuff too, the fun stuff, the Wisdom Cricketers of the Year, uh, which includes Darren Stevens. What a triumph that is at age 45, being given that prestigious honour. The leading man and woman in world cricket this year. The best book, the best podcast dare I say it, the three best photos of the 1950s, the best of everything because it's wisdom. If it's in wisdom, it's the best anyway. So I can't recommend it uh, highly enough. And if you haven't listened to our interview with Lawrence Booth last week, he'll elaborate on the contents more. But I love the fact that we are in association with the Wisdom Almanac on The Final Word. And because you're friends with us, uh, we can get you a, a nice healthy discount on the good book 2021 style.
1: The Almanac is, it's an investment. And it uh, needs to be viewed as such. But you can get in on the ground floor, as it were. You can uh, you can get in at a bargain rate. Now, if you're in the UK, the thing to do is subscribe. But the length of the subscription is, is not particularly long. You can decide how long you want it to be. And that gets you the book. At 25 pounds instead of 55 pounds. Now, we are very bad at maths, but even we know that that is more than double, more than half, more than half (laughs) the price. It is less than, it it would be more than double if you started with the lower price and then went to the higher one. And thus it is more than half if you subtract it, right? Am I right? Yeah, I'm right. right. Um, So there's that. Uh, You can do that at wisdomelmanac.com slash 2021. And then if you're in Australia or if you're in the US, uh, you can get the 30% discount with the sweet discount code. Uh, That's all in the show notes for this episode. So go to the little text bit down the bottom underneath the episode and you will find the details you need there to get yourself a cut price edition of the Almanac.
0: Yeah. So even though the book is out in England, it's not out in Australia or the US yet so we've got that 30% discount going uh, which will run all the way until uh, the book is released in those two parts of the world so if you're an Australian listener now's the right time to jump on you can start your collection I had a couple of people get in touch uh, about the the Wisdom Cricketers Almanac since we did our spot last week uh, a listener of ours Willem a patron of ours who, who got in touch to say that he so badly wants to get his hands on the edition this year because he's starting a collection and I think that's great I've started the collection for Winnie Jeff so I've got every year of my life on the shelf up here. But now I've got both 2020 and 2021 for my daughter so that as she gets older, she'll have a collection of wisdoms herself. And whether she likes cricket or not, I'll continue to buy it for her every single year. Indeed, she's a subscriber <laughs> already. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Didn't she try to chew off the front cover of it? She tried oh, to, no, already. She, she, she's already, and when she can't write yet, obviously, she
0: can't walk. Um, she can do other things, but walking is not one of those. Um, but she did try and take a pen to the front cover that, Excellent picture Of Stuart Broad That was taken By England's Media manager Danny Rubin Last year Wearing the face mask, and for whatever reason, she just kept launching herself at the front cover with a pen. And I couldn't stop her doing it. So, um, mm-hmm. but no, uh, she is going to have a shelf full of wisdoms, just like a dad. And uh, <laughs> I recommend that you do the same because, uh, yeah, there's a reason why Jeff, you and I feel so privileged to write for this book each year and to be associated with it because so much care goes into it, and that is why it's held in such high esteem.
1: Get the book. Get the link. Get the discount. Don't hit anybody with it. I'm Glenn Maxwell. Make sure you listen to my favourite podcast, The Final Word.
0: Final Word story time. Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon. We've done the new numbers. We've talked about the Wisdom Cricketers' almanac. Now let's go and revisit some bits and bobs we have got incorrect in previous weeks. The first of those is from Cameron Allen at uh, Jeff. He sent through 170. We talked about WG Grace's second and final Test Century a couple of weeks ago, but we Were not correct.
1: No, we were Not. Uh, The first Clue, says Cameron, which He thinks may be enough Is that the number 0.99 If it were taken in usual Nerd Pledge style Is often associated with this (laughs) 1.70 And that he Did consider 0.99 As his pledge, but it seemed too stingy So thank you Cameron for going up to 170 from (laughs) 99 cents
0: (laughs) Yes, thank you, Cameron, who, by the way, he's going through his second round of hotel quarantine at the moment. He'll be listening to this, I suppose, he'll be a week in to his second stretch. So uh, all our positive energy at your way, Cam. And I did work out what this was, well, what I assume it must be when Luke Ronke made an unbeaten 170 in 99 deliveries against Sri Lanka for New Zealand in January 2015 at Dunedin. I had to specify for New Zealand because, of course, Ronke played a couple of white ball games for Australia back in 2008. Mm. But, yeah, this is a crazy game. that I must admit, Jeff, I didn't know about. This passed me by in early 2015, I suppose. we We were quite busy at the time, presumably, before that World Cup. But Ronke batting at number seven, coming in at 93 for five, And they go on to make 360. He smacks 14 (laughs) fours and nine sixes. He put on a world record stand for the sixth wicket of 267 in 180 deliveries with Grant Elliott. Perfectly timed intervention for both of them, really, when they were going into that home World Cup, just to really establish that they'd be part of that best 11. Uh, It was Ronke's maiden, one day international century. He got there in 74 balls. And then the next 70 runs, Jeff, came in just 25 deliveries to close out the innings, so some real (laughs) power hitting to to finish off the 50 overs. By that point, he was 33 years old, and as I mentioned, he had played for Australia uh, back in early 2008, where I I should add that he did make a 22-ball half-century against the West Indies in a one-day international, so they, they did know he had this extraordinary potential, but he just had a horrible year after that 2008 2009 he was going so poorly that western australia dropped him so he dropped behind graham manu tim payne matthew wade i suppose in the australian pecking order and it was kind of game over for him so a few years on from that he said sod it i'll I'll go back to new zealand where he was born and he made his debut for them in 2013 so he became the first member of a full member nation to play for another full member nation from an icc perspective since kepler vessels some two decades before before that, He went on to play test cricket for New Zealand, a number of major tournaments before eventually retiring in 2017, and yeah, a reasonably middling average of 24 in one-day cricket for the Kiwis across 85 matches, but uh, yeah, he was never better than his unbeaten 170 from 99 balls against Sri Lanka at Dunedin in January 2015.
1: I remember it well because it was such a destructive whirlwind, and and then it set up this expectation all through the World Cup that he might do it again, and Mm. he did not do it again. Mm. He just had a shit ass World Cup, (laughs) and yeah, it was one of the great sort of deflation points that you know McCullum was so good up top, but you know Ronke just couldn't do it um, down the bottom. To be fair, there wasn't that much left for him to do a lot of the time. By the time he came into bat, it was probably, you know, you've got eight balls left, have a go. <laughs> and he'd, yeah. he'd get out for, you know, eight or four balls or something. But, yeah, it um, it, it, it didn't really kick on uh, from that point. So uh, I think you're right.
0: I think I am too. Uh, thank you again to Cam and best of luck in Hotel Q. Uh, next up, Jeff 258, Abilash Singh. We have battled our ass off on this one. Uh, we... Struggled last week on the giving a simple catch clue. We've Mm -hmm. had a lot of correspondence. It hasn't really helped an awful
1: lot because because none of the numbers quite work. Here's the thing. I know what I'm looking for. Yeah, I'm confident about that. And I haven't given up on this number yet. I just haven't had the time to do what it needs. So let's start at the beginning. A very good place to start. 258, Abhilash Singh. The original clue saying that uh, any player should try to give this player an easy catch to go on to a career best. And so there were various guesses going around, messages wondering if that was a clue that meant something about a dolly, as in a Basil D'Oliveira, but there was no Basil D'Oliveira link to 258. The thought of Daniel O'Connell that maybe it was about a dropped catch that cost 258 runs, but there was nothing quite. Um, that 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 worked there. There was the Sarah Pereira dropping Rohit Sharma on four when he went on to make two hundred and sixty four, and Ben Stokes making the two fifty eight. AB Davilius dropped him when he was on two fifty eight, but then ran him out. So it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't that. But but what it you know what I've worked out that it is with a little bit of correspondence is that it, it is directly about a player who dropped multiple players. Like I'm thinking at least three on their way to their best score. Now, I don't know if this is a best test score or a best ODI score, but a player who dropped other players who then went on to make their best scores. And I think this is the kind of thing where if you know it, you know it. It's just one of those sort of – it would be one of those trivia-type answers that you might just know, and I don't know it. Um, But what I have done instead is make a spreadsheet of the highest scores of every single cricketer um, to have played test and one day cricket <laughs> and that may seem like an insane thing to have done but I, you know I uh, was able to pull the data country by country and assemble that and I'm going to as it, unless someone else knows the answer if someone knows this they can let us know but if they can't I'm going to go through that and and work out the players the, the top scores by which team they were made against and which era and then I can start to work out who has Higher scores made against roughly the same sort of team in the same sort of era where they might have been made while the same player was in the team. So that's what's ahead of me for the next week. Um, very cool, and I have a lot of friends.
0: <laughs> that might sound excessive, but it's, uh, it's very final web behaviour. I mean, we're going to have Sam Ashworth on the show uh, next week to talk about his quite extraordinary CAT project, which was fueled, I think he said, by late nights listening to techno to get him through to make sure that he could assemble his spreadsheet for us for our private consumption which we'll, we will in turn mm. share with everybody once he's came on to discuss it with us but i like the attitude you've taken to this and I, I like the application you have to finally solving that for abilash Singh. the next number that's up is one that you have solved it's from Crispin crunch old crispy 444 and last week jeff we went through some notable 444s in international cricket we weren't correct but the clue that we've Subsequently been given was enough for you to get there.
1: Oh, this was nice. This was a relief. Thank you, Crispy, who said, I am uh, more parochial than your kind implication with regards to Michael Holding. My pledge is straightforward. There is no funky maths or Jeff killing complex interaction. I look forward to your take on one of my favourite players from my youth. Uh, Straightforwardness can be lovely sometimes. So I'm going to assume, given that I know that Crispy is Australian and probably of a an age somewhere in the 30 to 45 bracket. I reckon this is linking to Mervyn Gregory Hughes, the West Indies tour of 1991, mm-hmm. when Australia were only 1 0 down after the first three tests, two to play, and Merv comes in on the first day, uh, gets out Desmond Haynes, Carl Hooper, Jeff Dujon, the inventor of the mustard and Patrick Patterson to nab four for 44. Bowls out the Windies for 149. Triumph! The only problem is that Australia then get bowled out for a lower score than 149, and uh, the West Indies make 536. So Merv did get Gordon Greenwich out in the second innings, but Gordon Greenwich had made 226 <laughs> runs before that happened. Merv took one for 125 in the second innings. So I'm I'm just... I'm going to assume that if we're th- talking about a, someone someone of that sort of age and a player that they loved, no one was more lovable than Merv Hughes, right? Yeah. In that, in that sort of era.
0: And it also tallies because that 91 tour of the Caribbean was the first from the West Indies being back into Australia on television, as we learnt last year on Calling the Shots. I mean, when these series were, were shown, they were a massive deal. And Channel 9 sent an entire commentary team out there for that. I think it was... I think it was five test matches and about as many one day internationals. They were there for a very long time. And yes, the famous book, Calypso cricket, which followed a bit of a tell all on what they were doing off the field. But Mm. yeah, even as a six or seven year old or whatever I was at the time, I remember sort of being allowed to get up early in the morning and chuck it on. And even though they were getting pumped, it was a big deal. And, it brought to life this sort of idea of cricket in a part of the world which felt so far, and yet these players that we knew so well because they were coming to Australia every year to play mm. in the World Series Cup. So I reckon for a number of reasons that that seems to ring true for Crispin, Crunch, and Four Four Four. That's the last of our revisits. Uh, uh, a week we only had a few, which is a good sign. Maybe we're getting plenty right, and that point would be reinforced by our confirmations, where there is quite a few this week. Uh, the first is from Joe Wasnitschka Wells. Now. We didn't get this right, but uh, Joe has essentially solved it for us, noting that his clue was too difficult. So on that basis, I've popped it into the the confirmations (laughs) rather than the revisits. We were looking at a partnership between Don Bradman and Arthur Morris in 1948, which I was quite proud of, actually, the fact that I was able to tie 199 and, and 223 together in a relatively seamless way. But Joe goes on to say that his number in fact relates to the six-wicket partnership between Johnny Bairstow and Ben Stokes in Cape Town in 2016. So, 199 is the number of runs that Stokes scored between Bairstow coming to the crease and bringing up his maiden test century, and 223 is the score at the fall of the fifth wicket. Frankly, I don't know how I expected you to get either of them. Well, Joe, <laughs> thanks for your candor and your contrition uh, for that. Um, put it this way, Joe, that's not even close to the most complicated clue we've received in the last couple of weeks. They're getting more obscure by the show, but I'm glad you threw yourself on the grenade there and, and helped us uh, out because you're right. There was no way we were getting 199 to mean that and 223 to mean that, but... Hey, at least we know now. <laughs> thank you for so, the pledge
1: and thank you for the revisit. So it was two tw- it was the fifth wicket when Bastro came in? At two yes,
0: Bastro would have. Bairstow was batting at seven, wasn't he?
1: Right, because so, he he would have been keeping and batting at seven conventionally. So that's right. So it's two twenty three when he comes in. After which Stokes makes a hundred and ninety nine before Bastro brings up his century. Have I got that right? Something like that. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. Thank you, Joe, for <laughs> helping and <laughs> uh, not making us spend seven weeks on that. Um, <laughs> Jesse G, uh, the one dollar sixty-eight that had me talking a lot about Zahir Abbas with his run of tons, um, which Jesse – Appreciate it very much. Absolutely loved it, he said, and enjoyed my tenuous link to Sangakara. Uh, his intended pledge, in fact, Jesse just put us out of our misery here, was in commemoration of Clyde Walcott's 168 at Lords in 1950. This top score took West Indies to their first Test match victory in England and later their first ever Test series victory in England. The Sangakara connection is that both started their careers as wicket keepers, a wicketkeeper batsman before going on to be great pure batsman. And I must say, Jesse, I did not know that Clyde Walcott started out as a keeper. A thing I didn't know about cricket that I now know about cricket. That's what we do this show for. Exactly. I didn't know either. So
0: when Jesse brought that to my attention, I was pleased to learn that fact and I was glad to get to the finish line there on 168. Thank you very much to Jesse for being a great correspondent. Peter Dowling, another one of those, 306. Jeff, you got it to mean Mancad's runs in Australia in 1946-47. That was very nicely done by you, and you were correct yet again. Peter says, I didn't think my number would appear on the podcast in time for the summer clue to work, but technically it did with the Sheffield Shield final just wrapping up. Sorry about throwing you off with a ruler clue because, of course, you said that it has something to do with a rule. An no.
1: Indian ruler.
0: An Indian uh, ruler. No, our
1: favourite ruler. That's right. Um, yeah.
0: That's right. That's right. But, yeah. uh, but Peter says, but I did get a laugh out of your roundabout way of getting there. I was trying to be clever, as in the mancad rule. Well, that works oh. for us. It works for you. It's 306. It does the trick. And any chance we get to talk about Vinu Mancad's <clears throat> career on Storytime, we are going to take. So thank you
1: for that. Yes, uh, that that is a different kind of ruler. I now understand a uh, Christopher Byrne of the two dollars forty six or two pounds forty six, I assume, mm-hmm. um, which was about boycott. Jeffrey boycott making two hundred and forty six, and then being dropped for batting too selfishly. Uh, you were spot on with two forty six, says Christopher, Thank and you. with Jeff boycott. Not that you could quite think of something positive to say about a great player and commentator, notwithstanding all the obvious controversy. No, we couldn't really think of much positive to say because, you know, sometimes you just have to draw a line under something and I don't know. If you um, if you continually do things that are a bit shit a lot of the time, then, yeah, I, I, I don't feel that much like celebrating that person. That is, that's, that's just how it is. And there was another little extra coda as well because there was the 246 but Christopher said it had something to do with 25 which we didn't solve
0: yeah we didn't and it wasn't that cryptic in the end really uh 25 reflects the fact that there are 25 men who have made 100 first class hundreds and the extra bit here was he expects that it'll remain 25 for eternity so boycott was one of those indeed he has the fifth most centuries of all time with 151. is 100th raised uh, in the Leeds Ashes Test of 1977, famously called by uh, Christopher Martin Jenkins on Test Match Special. And he goes on to say that Gloucestershire's finest made the first or was the first to that mark. And, yes, that was WG Grace. So we've got the 246 tick, and
1: now we've got the 25 as well. And we've got uh, Will Cuxon's $5.57, which equals the 280-run partnership and the 277-run <laughs> partnership both made in the same List A uh, domestic Australian match when Ben Dunk made 229. I don't know why we have this in confirmations because Will already solved it for us last week because we were absolutely well, uh, He, he, he did. Uh, to be fair, he there. didn't
0: quite solve it for us. He, he, he told us that, was, that we were looking for the game with a double ton in, in Australian domestic cricket and I think he might have mentioned a massive partnership. So I did actually solve it but you're right. He, okay. he, he gave us Every opportunity to solve it So um, thank right. you there Will He also saw the Ben Dunk video from Jared Kimber um, Which I strongly recommend Very funny Matt from the other Gabba um, Sent us a Patreon message last night Jeff as well Saying that he watched that video And it sent him down a, a nasty YouTube wormhole So I think that's enough to know That if, if you love your, your domestic one day cricket uh, And you love your YouTube And you love Jared um, This is a, a great combination of all three
1: Indeed. Those are the confirmations now to a little bit of Bannerman. We like to finish the show by looking at players in cricket innings who may have made more than 67.35% of their team's runs in an innings where their team was entirely dismissed. And one such example comes in from Jeremy Henderson, uh, who was with us on the little live hang out the other night, uh, a somewhat ancient bannerman, says Jeremy, as he throws back his mind all the way to the summer of 1959. He bought his first real six string, played it till his fingers bled. <laughs> uh, no, he, um, he, was at, he was at Eastbourne, um, the home of the Saffron's the sun strap of the south says jeremy uh, where he had his first competitive cricket outing they did not play with plastic bats and balls in those days they they used the real thing maybe a slightly smaller cricket ball that was about it he was playing for chelmsford hall a school of 79 students who somehow managed to field seven cricket teams how do you do that how do you have a seventh eleven that's that means 77 of the students were playing what were the other two doing scoring they were pretty left out yeah, just loitering. They were taking on the St. Andrews School 13th 11. <laughs> 13th! <laughs> they only had 140 kids there. Oh, 7th 11 starring Jessica Beale. <laughs> 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 so
0: this was, was, um, it, the was it was Jessica Biel. No, it was it was Lucy from Seventh Heaven who yeah. who did the cameo
1: for Ivan Milat. Wasn't it, Ivan last Milat. Year? Yeah, it Goodness was. Yep. we're getting very <laughs> in there you are talking about internet wormholes <laughs> um, now. I'm going to quote from Jeremy directly here. He says, "St. Andrew's coach declared their innings closed at 144 for one. Obviously, having a good time. Worse was to come. Bill Gray." playing for the Chelmsford Hall 7th-11, successfully survived the first over and scored four runs. Over the course of the next four overs, we were dismissed for a total of 11. (laughs) Bill remained unbeaten on nine. There was one wide and someone else managed a single. That means Bill had managed a decent bannerman with 81.82% of our score. It's also noteworthy, says Jeremy, that St Andrew's ratio of runs to wickets was 144 our ratio was 1.1. <laughs> Thus, they exceeded us by 12,991%, which may in itself be a record. I hope it is, Jeremy. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Messy Jez, for taking us back to Eastbourne in 1959. Very nice indeed. Bit of correspondence to finish as well, Jeff, after the, the Bannerman contribution there from Jez. I, I want to start with a correction, though, and Mike Dunn, Pull me up on this. Last week in relation to, I think it was 1-13 from Matthew Jones, we were looking at David Boone's wicket for Australia against Australia A at the MCG in early 1995, the second final of that quadrangular tournament. Mike Dunn says that I have disrespected the great man, that being David Boone, for long enough. Here's a refresher which shows the guile and deception of the keg to sneak a straight break through Emery and onto his stumps. No cow corner slogs there. He's right. I watched the video... Lovely piece of bowling from David Clarence Boone to get rid of Emery. Not the slog sweep out to cow corner as I remembered it, but not really as I remembered it, as I think Mark Taylor said to us on the greatest season that was last year when talking about uh, the setups of that wicket. So I've just regurgitated what Tubby told us. So that, that's my defence anyway, and I'm going to stick with it. But nevertheless, thank you, Mike Dunn, for, for clarifying that 113 from last week as being a nice piece of bowling from David Boone rather than a poor piece of batting from Phil Emery.
1: A, uh, a little loop around, you know, stand-up comedians always like to come back to a joke at the end of the set. Um, we started the show with Not That Tim Minchin. We will just about end it with Not That Tim Minchin with um, a nice piece of correspondence. Uh, he says, you might remember the zany match report I wrote last year for the Brisbane Bands Cricket Association. Uh, to give you some context there, it involved a lot of number wang it was all about. Times that this number had recurred in the match, and how that meant that this player had made this times that version of someone else's number, and, and so on and so forth. Very much in in our in our zone. So Tim was awarded a trophy the other week, the BBCA Literary Prize for two thousand and twenty, <laughs> um, and he thinks that that you and I Adam must must know what this feels like to be. He called up and and awarded a gong. One of the great feelings, Tim. Rest assured, he says, I thanked you both in my acceptance speech for showing me that there are stories in the numbers. Thanks again for being positive influences in the cricket world. Well, we do our best and if if we can make just one more person write an intensely dense stats column that wins a prize, then we've done our
0: job. (laughs) to think that we were mentioned in in this presentation night. I wonder what the rest of the patrons there were thinking when they were hearing about this. Hopefully they're listening. Maybe he's recruited a couple of final worders along the way. Thank you. Not that Tim Minchin. Last bit of correspondence was from Chris Arkell on the Thomas Hearn Zero Not Out that Rob Sent me last week Or that I found last week uh, Which we Kind of worked out Might have been An instance of The most ridiculous instance Of carrying one's bat Zero not out Out of I think it was 163 Or something like that Sounds uh,
1: right Back in yeah 61 overs 61
0: overs Yeah yeah. And what Chris has worked out here Is that According to the Association Of Cricket Statistics site uh, Where they have a booklet For 1868 They haven't recorded Hearn carrying his bat so he thinks that the card's wrong and that one of two things has happened. Either Hearn retired hurt for zero early in the innings or alternatively um, they changed the batting order but that wasn't reflected in the cards. So we we believed it was special. Maybe it's not so special. If the association of... Cricket statistics site uh, doesn't have him carrying his bat then As far as I'm concerned, he didn't carry his bat He goes on to say, Chris, that he hopes that Winnie is feeling better And he is sorry that I missed the hat trick in the Middlesex match last week Which, of course, we talked about (laughs) on the weekly show Maybe there'll be one this week Uh, We've got Middlesex playing Surrey starting uh, on Thursday at Lord's and uh, I, I continue to dare to dream when it comes to a hat trick.
1: So, it, 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 look, it is possible if you came out and opened the batting and then went off and retired hurt on zero, not out, and then came back at the end, you could still be recorded zero, not out. But if you didn't come back, you'd be recorded retired hurt. That um, is a so, very interesting so technical point. So, if, if
0: you were – okay, let me put this – so, you would say that if I were playing and I, I retired hurt in the first over, then walked back out mm-hmm. at number 11 and remained the not out mm-hmm. batsman, would I – be
1: worthy of a... Would you count that as carrying the bat? Yeah. Interesting
0: way of going about it.
1: Or how much of the innings would you have to miss to have not carried your bat? What if well, you the just thing went is, off for like three overs?
0: Well, here's the thing. You need to return to the crease not to be retired out. So in the case of Thomas Hearn, hmm. let's assume that he well, did retire. Be, you hurt. can
1: be retired hurt, in which case you're not out for the purposes of stats, but you are recorded on the scorecard as retired hurt. Correct. Not out. Yeah,
0: that, that's what I mean. So you, at the end of the innings, the card will say retired hurt whereas this very much says mm. not out so that would suggest mm. that he has returned to the crease so maybe it is as mm. you said but also as chris has said as well and both things are true i like to believe the other possibility
1: is that it was 1868 and everything was completely fucked <laughs> and you know they were trying not to die of the plague and stuff back then so you know it could also have been that they thought he was going to open the batting and then he didn't, but they didn't bother changing the scorecard or something like that. And he actually batted elsewhere in the order. You know, there it, it may have just been a, a clerical error.
0: Thank you, Chris, for advancing that conversation. If you know more about that game in 1868, please let us know. You can do so via our Patreon page, patroncom forward slash the final word, as we mentioned at the halfway mark. It'd be... Just wonderful if you wanted to join in on the fun on this weekend show, which has now been going for 53 weeks and we're very proud of it. Uh, This is the formal end of season nine, as we mentioned off the top, which is pretty cool. Thanks for being part of what we've been doing. Uh, Thank you to all of the people on our patron page for your extraordinary contributions. Thank you to Bus Super, who've been with us for two years and have made what we do that much easier uh, for their continued presence in our lives thank you to the wisdom cricketers almanac it is a tremendous book Uh, get yourself a copy of the 2021 edition which must be the 158th time that it has been released the good yellow book all the details for that are in our show notes jeff we are on the bad producer production podcast label that means we get edited twice a week by Dave Collins and boy are we grateful for that anyone who witnessed our weekly show in the zoom room <laughs> earlier in the week will know just how much editing is required to get us on the track and, and Dave does all of that diligently and professionally thank you to him thank you to Jay Mueller and Astrid Edwards who, who run the BPP label and thank you Jeff for all the research you've done in pulling together the show this week
1: Season nine, baby. The X-Files did nine seasons, didn't they? They did. About to go past the X-Files. Yeah, oh, yeah. Take that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it only got better. Imagine if they'd done a tenth. Well, that would have been something. <laughs> that would have been really good. Uh, yeah, all right. That's enough, I say. Yeah, weekly show on Wednesday. IPL speed round on the YouTube on Monday or Friday or whenever this goes out. Both. I don't know. Yeah. Things. Yeah, both of those things. All the Mondays, all the Fridays. Uh, we'll see you somewhere. So Bye. You know what I meant here. I had to go about it.